thankful for being our everything, Jesus, and for always being there, Lord, and helping us, Lord, and in the time of trouble and time of need and even in the time of joy, Lord, you're always there for us, Lord, and we thank you for that, Lord. And we ask you at this time, Lord, if you'll be kind enough, Lord, bless the tithes, the offerings, Lord, all the continuing uh, blessing, the service, Lord, helping us, Lord, to now uh, pay attention to your word, Lord, and, and, and to this, the the, uh, say, the treasure, Lord, and the salvation that's uh, in that in those words, Lord, that you have for us this morning, Lord Jesus, the salvation and helping us in the victories, Lord, that are uh, going to be part of the, uh, the things that we're going to be going through in the future, Jesus. Uh, bless our brother Gabriel, Lord. And each and every one of us, Jesus, in your name we ask this and we give you thanks. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I'm going to ask Brother Gabriel to pass on up and let's continue praising the Lord. Amen. Attention to his word. God bless everyone this morning, brothers and sisters. I may be seated. Just when they got those, God bless the group this morning. God is my everything. Amen. How many of us believe that God is our everything? Sometimes we, uh, we need moments in our lives to remind us that he is our everything. Uh, sometimes a trial will come to remind us that he is our everything. Uh, sometimes uh, happiness will come to remind us he's our everything. But the fact is, brothers and sisters, that we serve a God who through highs and lows, should be our everything. We serve a God that we should always consider him our everything. Amen? No matter what we're going through, we cannot let, allow it to dictate who our God is. You know, a lot of us, we go through struggles, we go through trials and tribulations, and instantly we show who our God is. Uh, we show some, some traits of our unbelief in who our God is uh, instantly with news sadness we show who our god is and god wants us to believe that he is through everything who he is amen like brother lorenzo was reading there he's king of everything he's king of all things and he's worthy of our praise and worship uh i'm excited for today's message the title of the message is why are you weeping por qué lloras uh, and I think that this is very telling to a lot of us and things that we're going through, things that we've gone through, is where we start, need to start asking ourselves, why are we crying? Why are we in unbelief in things? Why are we doubting things? What's triggering these things in us that we forget who God is? I want to be reminded who God is at all times before an emotion comes over me. And it's difficult at times. Some of us will use terms like that's a human characteristic. But God wants us to live out of our body sometimes and in the spirit. So that's not even a good enough excuse. And the moments that we can strengthen ourselves and the moments that we can see who God is in our lives, then that strength comes over us and that belief comes over us and overtakes us. The adrenaline of the Holy Spirit comes through us. And mountains begin to move. Waters begin to separate. And that's why God is, and that's why I get excited about God in our, and what he can do in our lives if we give him the opportunity and we give him the channel to have an effect in, in our lives. Amen? God bless the, uh, the youth and the kids this morning. May the Lord bless them and what the teachers have prepared for them. If we could turn to Romans 5.8, we're going to start off with this verse that we've read before. Romans 5.8. But God commanded his love toward us in that, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Such a beautiful verse, but great mystery in this verse. Let's read it in Spanish. Mas Dios encarece su caridad para con nosotros, porque siendo aún pecadores, Cristo murió por nosotros. But God commanded his love toward us. So God commanded a love toward us, 
in this love that he commanded toward us. The price, the price that he paid for us. That even though we weren't ready to receive this gift, even though we weren't ready to receive this gift that he prepared through his sacrifice on the cross, he still gave it. So for him to show his love before we were worthy to receive his love is what he's showing us that love is. You see, some of us need to see something before we can love something. God didn't need to see it to make him do it. God just did it. And that's why he's the example of love. And we find ourselves sometimes here at church still carrying this burden, this the struggle of sin in our lives, unworthiness in our lives. There's many that don't come to church because they feel they're not worthy of church. Or there's some that don't come to church because there's a lot of things happening in their lives pulling them from church. But God does not stop loving. God didn't stop on the cross and say that day is going to discourage me not to get on the cross. He showed his love for us, even knowing that we would be struggling one day to sometimes see him. And I'm amazed always by what he left in us in the word of God. I'm amazed by the passages, the examples that he left in the prophets and the apostles and even his own example. And I'm amazed because I always think about There were, there were those that seen him do the miracles. There were those that seen him heal the blind, the lame, the mute, the deaf. There were those that saw these wonderful miracles. And yet he hung on a cross alone because everyone scattered, afraid. There was those that heard prolific, revelationary messages from him about the end times and what they would look like. And yet, they scattered and ran away from him. There was conversations that weren't even documented in the Bible, and you can imagine... You can imagine having a conversation with Jesus at a campsite about the pain an apostle had growing up. And yet, that day he was by himself because everyone scattered. He did not need the support at that moment that he showed love because he was on a mission of love. And we forget this mission sometimes and we lose this love so quickly because it's not a mission. We're looking for something to inspire this love in our lives. And the moment something goes wrong, we forget it. If we turn to Ephesians 4.32. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Antes said, los unos con los otros, benignos, be, 
misericordiosos, perdonándonos los unos a los otros, como también Dios os perdonó en Cristo. So brothers and sisters, right here it says, for us to learn what he learned and allowed him to complete his mission, to forgive. And I'm amazed in talking through the years with brothers and sisters that have been in the church for years and that they're still and that there's still something inside that won't allow them to forgive something. Something, some hurt. Something that creates a distance. Something that perhaps has them captivated. And we see here God as the ultimate example. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. I can say none of us have maybe been put in a situation like Christ was put in. But the example that he left us is the example that we want. Some of us in this unforgiveness state that we're in will say, Brother Gabe, but you don't understand because you weren't there. You didn't go through it. And I would agree with that. But I've also seen, I've read what Jesus has been through and the example that he left for us in this freedom. And the beauty of the example that Christ gave us to let it go and complete your mission, this mission of love that he came that many didn't understand until this day talk about. How could somebody come and die for people that didn't appreciate him being here or respect him being here? How could this have happened? Still something that's talked about, spoken of. Still what will transform someone's heart, change a heart. When people know that God loved them, even in the state that they're in right now. That God loved them first. That God thought of them when he was on the cross. So many things to think about, so many things to consider about our God. But as I mentioned before, I'm amazed. And we find ourselves here reading from what God has given us, which is his word. And we find ourselves inspired, motivated. I've been there when, when after a message, I want to just, I want to give everything up. I want to let go of everything. I want everything to be different. I've been there. But this time, it's going to be different. I'm letting go of this. I'm letting go of that. That's, you know, I heard the message. That's what it is. I've been there. When the word of God comes, it self-evaluates me. And it finds all the things that I still lack. And I'm motivated. I'm going to work on this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get up and I'm going to do this. I'm going to let go of this. I'm going to make sure I'm doing this. It was right. That's right. That was true. But then the word of God shows that there was those that followed him, let go of careers to follow him. And yet, this moment comes that was not a surprise. Let's just make sure we clarify this right here. It's not like when Jesus said, come and follow me, and I'll make you fishermen of men, you know, that they started following. All these days they were with him that 
Jesus never told them, hey, one day I'm going to die. He told them. It's not like they didn't get that they were, they were being persecuted and followed when they had to move around at night. Because people were hunting them. But yet this moment came. The situation came where they grabbed Jesus. And they took him. And everything scattered. And you ask yourself, have you had that moment where you looked around and you didn't see Where's, what does pastor say? ¿Dónde están los que decían hallelujah? Where are those that said hallelujah? Where are those that seen the miracles? And yet, this man and I say man in the sense of the feeling to have what we've had before he had that moment. Where are those? Where's Peter, the v- courageous Peter? The one that said, I will not let them, Lord. Get behind me, Satan. And yet, they found themselves leaving. And we find ourselves many of the times, brothers and sisters, being persuaded, being intimidated by the society we live in to just shh. If you don't, they'll label you. If you don't, they'll do this. And Jesus found himself that day where everybody just backed away. And he was alone. If we turn to Acts 10.43. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. A este, a este dan testimonio todos los profetas de que todos los que en él creerán recibirán perdón de pecados por su nombre. So brothers and sisters, we see this moment here And it's an example to us because as we're going to go through things, as we're going to see struggles in our lives, we've got to get beyond a point. We've got to get beyond a point where we were just listening and not doing, but we start listening and doing. You see, the disciples were just listeners. see the disciples were just listeners in the book of Acts they became doers see when you're a listener and the trials and tribulations come guess what you're not there oh I don't know I don't know it might be for somebody listening on the radio because you guys ain't getting it see hear what I'm saying When you're a listener and the trials come and it gets a little hot and heavy, that's where we find us leaving God, separating ourselves from Jesus. But you see, Jesus, 
when he was with the disciples and he was preaching and showing. He wasn't expecting anything different. It's not like he looked around and it's not like he sold them out. It's not like he said, no, no, that guy over there. No, that guy's with me over there. No, no, that guy over there. Go. No. He knew what it was to be human. What it was to be afraid. What it was not to sell out. But he was on a mission. It's one thing to know it and then do those things, but it's another thing to say, I'm on a mission. So when he saw everyone scatter and leave, and the Bible portrays it very effectively in the Gospels. When he knew the faithfulness at that moment, how you know, I know he cried during Lazarus. How would he have felt? Knowing the people that he loved, people that he shared, people that he brought peace to. Just to be in his presence, there's peace. People experience the peace that we long for, we cry for, we experience here when we worship, when we praise. They experience this with him. And yet, they said it ain't worth it that much. You know, I think he was a good man. I don't know about this other stuff that he was saying. About in three days, this temple will be destroyed and raised up again. I don't know about that one. That was pretty crazy. I mean, it took years. You know, who made this temple? Our fathers made this temple. We heard how long it took to build this temple because they thought it was, they were talking about the temple of David. Solomon erected. But you see, brothers and sisters, we find ourselves sometimes losing the details of the word of God in our lives. We don't come here with intent. We don't come here with, okay, this word's for me. I need to grab it. I need to understand it. I need to get ready to put it on something. I need to get ready because something's coming. The word is being spoken that something's coming that I must put that word on. It wouldn't have been shocking if they would have seen this because they had heard this already. They knew this already. They knew the process that was coming. If we turn to Luke 7. And one of these Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. Now, just so we understand that this lady was a sinner in the city, right? But you kind of start to know, and, and this is an economic revelation here, that this woman was a wealthy woman. Because, see, alabaster was not something that was just easy to get. It was something with some value to this. So this woman goes to a house of a Pharisee knowing that Jesus is there. Okay? And she's a sinner. Now, I, I, see, again, this is where you guys, you know, some of you guys are falling asleep. Some of you are hungry. Some of you, you go through a lot of things. You're not catching stuff. A woman with sin goes into a house of a Pharisee. You see, those things didn't mix. You just, you don't, you know, some of y'all have some people that you don't go to their houses just because you don't go to their houses. Everybody's looking around like, everybody's kind of looking around like, who is it, right? Who hasn't visited me here lately? Ah, I'm going to eat this, I'm going to roll. 
<laughs> I always tell them that. But this made no sense. There's a Pharisee who invites Jesus, but now a woman. Ooh, let's read it again. What does it say here? What's her title? And behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner. It doesn't say the greatest sinner, right? But she was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at the meat in the Pharisee's house, so she knew it was a Pharisee's house. She knew that he, he was sitting down there. She brought an alabaster box of ointment. Verse 38. And stood at his feet. And, you know, it doesn't, this is, this is, this is how beautiful the Bible is because it gives you a little bit of, you know, interpretation on how you could imagine it, right? It doesn't show that she knocked on the door. It doesn't show she's like, excuse me, can I come in? You know, it just goes straight to things. And I'm just, I, I want to believe, you know, that she didn't care, that she just walked in the house, saw Jesus, and stood right before him. She didn't ask, the, is it okay if I come in your house? Am I welcomed here? Because the Pharisee probably would have said no. So she probably knew that he was going to say no. So it just shows that he, that she just came in front of Jesus. We keep on reading. And stood at his feet behind him weeping. And I find this pretty interesting. Behind him weeping. And began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. So we see the sinner. Not care about the consequences. Because the Pharisee could have demanded her be stoned outside of the city. Could have got her locked up. She didn't care. She didn't care about the consequences of what people were going to say, people were going to think. She went and spent a good amount of money, and she was on a mission. It never talks too much about this person, you know. And then you start to kind of think like, you know, one day was, you know, Jesus talking in the streets and she was just sitting there. Jesus just giving one of those prolifics. I mean, ain't nobody got messages like Jesus because Jesus is just like looking at hearts. It's kind of like, you know, if, if you're Jesus and you just start to see, could you imagine, you know, you you see movies, you know, Spider-Man, Spidey senses, and they start to look around, man. Jesus is just feeling everything, reading hearts, doing everything. He just, and he just, she's just sitting there, and Jesus just starts speaking to her. About his love. doesn't talk about it it's like it's like man you know it's such a good book because you're just like you know your moment you know how it came to you and you're just like man you're just putting you're like man what was it you know what was it that that inspired her she's just sitting there and she hears these words of love that it motivates her to do something she's never done And I'm not saying the spending of the money. She could have been a wealthy person. But I'm talking about knowing that when I walk through these doors, I'm exposing myself. But I don't care. Because the person I'm going to worship has already seen everything of me. 
and knows everything. And so we see, we keep on reading here, we see that, you know, <laughs> she's doing this act and she's not, and I, and I, and I don't, you know, I, I don't know Jewish culture. I don't know, you know, so I don't want to, I don't want to, and I didn't, I didn't research on this, but I don't know if it was customary or if it was just a sense of respect that she did it behind him. I don't know if she was still struggling with the emotion. I, I don't know these things, but she did it behind him, started doing these things as a sense of gratitude. And we keep on reading here. Now, when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spoke within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman. Uh-oh. Was... What, what manner of woman that is that toucheth him? For she's a sinner. So this Pharisee is like, you know, Jesus, if Jesus is so connected to things. But see, this Pharisee didn't understand. And this is what inspired Jesus to get out of his throne to come down here because his word had been twisted already. His word had been established as something different. People weren't reading the prophets being forgiven by God. They didn't read when David was forgiven by God, how Abraham was forgiven by God, how Moses was forgiven by God. See, they forgot these things. They wanted to talk about how strong they were and how, how great of men they were. They didn't want to talk about how vulnerable humanity is and how merciful God was. So Jesus finds himself there hearing a conversation of someone within themselves as he does today. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Lord. How many of us? Oh, man. I mean, y'all need forgiveness right now up to this point in this message. Because God was hearing everything that the Pharisee was saying, seeking. And this person said it within himself, but the woman knew before she walked in his house, before she walked through those doors, the criticism, criticism that was going to come from that house, from the owner of that house to her. So it was no surprise, but she was on a mission. We keep on reading. And Jesus answering said unto him, now what's Jesus answering? So you don't mess with Jesus. See, you don't mess with Jesus. You, you, it's kind of it's kind of like a parent. You, you you parents, you guys you guys got some Jesus skills in you. You parents got some Jesus skills in you. So you guys don't want me to say when you become a parent, God gives you a little bit of the Jesus, you know, in you. This is where you like look at a kid. You can see a kid's face, and you're like, you thinking something? You're thinking this, and the kid's like, no, no. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. You guys have all had it. And then, we, and then the kids become a little bit better. They become teenagers like this guy over here, and he's a little bit smooth. He's like, I just do this right here. I don't, I don't show any kind of, they get good. And then when you start to see that one, and you're not used to seeing that one, you're still like, are you thinking something? Because that just doesn't look like a normal. Or like I said before many a times, you get the, Right? You guys remember that one? I'm so glad you did that. I'm so glad you did that, Libby. 
I'm so glad you did that because now I know you got oxygen to your brain and anything I'm going to tell you now, you're going to be able to store it. You see, Jesus responded to the Pharisees' conversation within him, what he was thinking. And Jesus saw it as an opportunity to first of all clarify what was happening, but also call out what was happening within. And see, our God to this day is here doing this. Our God today will clarify things in people's lives when something happens and they have said stuff within and now they're going through something. Our God will speak through what they're going through, through the word of God. Through things that were said, the seeds that were sown. Our God will remind unfaithfulness. We see this moment right here where he's having a conversation. We keep on reading here. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. There were a certain creditor. So who's he talking to here? He's actually, and I, I, this is kind of interesting right here because he's going to actually speak to the person through Simon. So Simon's here and he says, there was two certain creditors which had two debtors and one owned 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, thou hast rightly judged. 44. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thy house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss. But this woman, since the time I came into thy the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint. But this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. Because I know there are many, because you, you, you said it, but, but I see the heart. I, I, I see the void. I see the thirst. I see the struggle. I see the woman at the well. I see the woman with the blood disease. I know what life does. I know the void that life is without me. And that's why I'm here. This is why I came here. Because this world will continue on with this void. When it doesn't have Jesus. A world without Jesus. We all want to say and think it's like, well, that's what happens when our government doesn't have Jesus. But a world without Jesus is void. It's empty. And when it's empty, it looks for anything to fill it. We see here this conversation is, and, and he's, it's pretty descriptive saying, look, when I was here, when I came here, I... I it's just customary, but you, you didn't invite me in. You didn't invite me in with the intent to welcome me. This is just customary. Just, you know, I'm coming in. You invited me to eat. 
you know, it's going to be customary to, you know, welcome me with a kiss. You want to wash your feet here before we... Already Jesus is seeing that there was intent for something else. We keep on reading and finishing this verse. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many... are forgiven, for she loved much. And you see, brothers and sisters, where is our love at? Where is our love at when we look at it today? Are we still loving much? Or is the distraction? Is our life taking some of that love much? You remember those moments, and everyone has a story to tell, and I can't wait to hear them second service. When family members told you you're crazy. I remember, I've heard some of them, and I find if you know if I don't hear you stand up, the ones that used to tell those stories, are you crazy? You know, serving this guy. What are you thinking at church? As you were on the floor, wiping with your tears the feet of Jesus and ointing with ointment, cleaning them, because you had sold out everything. For this woman that loved much, her sins are forgiven. Started thinking about that, you know? Seeing these things, reading these things, hearing these things, and then that moment, Jesus is there, and he's by himself and it's <clears throat> what was going on with the disciples what did, wasn't snapping you know where were the ones were you know where, where was it at what, what was their love extent at because you see this you see this woman that just went in and could have i don't know i don't know what the risk could have been of i don't know if it was a risk of life or death depending on what her sins were it, it, you, we know these things she didn't care because what she was carrying and the void that she had and the thirst that she had and the things that she was just going through the world with, she was already being criticized. There was already people whispering. There's already people, I mean, she was already labeled. So what did she have to lose? And when you have that mindset, when you ha- what do you have to lose? When you have a mindset of what do I have to lose? Because this person that's I'm right behind right now, this opportunity that I have, I've never felt this here on earth. I've never had this peace, this love, this comfort here on earth. What do I have to lose? When I feel like I've gained everything being in his presence right now. we keep on reading for she loved much but to whom little is forgiven the same loveth little now listen brothers and sisters it's not to be said that there's little sin but it's to be said that there's little in recognizing how much sinners we are We know the moment. We know the go sin no more moment that Jesus is there. Woman falls at his feet. Men are prepared to stone her. You, you see, we as a church need to learn this love and understand this love. Understand 
the moment, not what got the person to the moment, not the acts, but the moment, call it maybe last chance moment. This last chance moment that comes here. And Jesus, man, could you imagine? It's Jesus, right? He just felt everything. Could you imagine a woman falls? He feels everything. Past everything, history. He sees it all, right? And this person's there. And the beautiful words that were given to him of whoever doesn't have any sin, cast the first stone. So we see this moment right here where Jesus knew this woman that was washing his feet had many sins, but that she loved much. She loved much. It didn't matter. But he says, to who much, who little is forgiven, you see, because we all can be forgiven big, just like this lady. There's no, there's no, like, I wasn't like her. You still void. You still got void in your heart. I wasn't doing those things. I was in church. You still void. You still have doubts. And you see, we see this moment here, and, and he's trying to say, look, this is a moment that could be given and shared with everyone. You've just got to accept forgiveness. We keep on reading. <clears throat> we finish up that one. I didn't know if we finished it. I'm sorry. Did we finish 47? Yes, the same love with little, amen, 48, brother. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. Now, now, this person's coming there, and he's like, oh, I'll get Jesus in here. I got my intent. Yeah, just sit down, just sit down here. Oh, you're not going to welcome me in with a kiss? You're not going to, you know, wash my feet? Nah. And so Jesus doesn't even care about that moment because that's just, like, irrelevant to him because the moment came that was set up for him. This woman comes in. Exposes everything, saying, I don't care whose house I'm in. I'm coming to Jesus, and I'll ask for forgiveness later. <laughs> Starts cleaning his feet, and then Jesus, which we've experienced this, your sins are forgiven. Praise the Lord, 49. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. What, what, what's her faith? What's her faith? Her faith, she's, she's a sinner. What's her faith? Because, see, we, we get faith mixed up here. We get faith. It's not like she started, you know, at least the woman at the well, she had some word, right? Because she started throwing some word at Jesus. Oh, you're talking about well, the prophet comes back to the mountain. Oh, that kind of faith could have saved someone, right? This woman right here, all she did was cry and clean his feet. But the faith that Jesus is talking by here is how she recognized her sin She recognized the situation and that it would not end up well, potentially. And she still stepped in. Your sins are forgiven. What was it again, brother? It said to the woman that faith has saved thee, go in peace. Because you see, that's the one thing we need is the peace. Amen? 
The peace is what we need. If we go to John 20, 11, Excuse me one second. John 20, 11 is where we meet another woman. And this woman was Mary of Magdalene. But Mary stood without at the sepulcher, weeping. And as she wept, she stopped, she stooped down and looked into it, into the sepulchre. And seeing two angels in, in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She said unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when he and when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She's supposing him to be the gardener. <laughs> Bible's kind of funny at times, right? So if you ever get mistaken, oh, I thought you worked here. You ever get that one? Nobody's experienced that? You wear a blue shirt to Best Buy, and they're like, hey, this TV right here? And you're like, oh, I don't. Oh, I'm sorry. You just had a blue shirt. All the guys walking around here had a blue shirt. So she supposes... Jesus is the gardener. Kind of messed up, right? So, okay. And says unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said unto her, Mary. She turned herself and said unto him, Rabbanoni, which is said, Master, Jesus said unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascended to my Father and to your Father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that she had spoken these things unto her. Now, brothers and sisters, if you read these in the Gospels, there's different stories of how this happened. There's another version that says that he says, go tell Peter and the disciples. We remember this moment. We remember this moment where Jesus was left alone. And Mary was the first one to see Jesus. You see, Mary had a moment, had shared a moment with Jesus also. She had seven spirits that were in her. Demonized. And Jesus freed her from these things. And Mary left everything. Not only her. There was a few other women that left everything. And followed Jesus. And served and, and was there. So Mary has this moment where she's not seeing clearly. She was there and heard. She heard that he would rise again. Other versions say when she got there, she saw this rock, rock moved, and she thought somebody had stolen it, the body. 
And even when seeing, speaking to Jesus, her emotional state didn't allow her to see Jesus. Until she heard Jesus call her name. Some of us, we're in a point in our life right now where it's critical. We're going through things. We're going through struggles. And, and, and we're just, we're frantic. We, we don't know how to deal with things. We don't know how to handle things. We're not the best at these. And when there's pressure in our lives, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening. I don't know. I'm questioning everything. I don't know if it's this. I don't know if it's that. And it's just a mad scramble of anxieties and feelings and emotions. We don't see a path that Jesus has laid for us clearly because we're seeing everything and stressing about everything. Like Mary was. We have moments in these times to hear. This is the time when we must slow down and hear God call our voice. Because the moment we can hear him say our name is the moment we know where he's at. You see, a lot of us, the noise, the chaos, the Everything, the distractions. Oh, I've got to do this. Because if I don't do this, then I start thinking about this. How about that one? You know people like that? i got to stay busy. Because if I don't stay busy, then I'll get depressed and I do things. Or if I'm not doing this kind of stuff right here, I don't. Well, here's the problem right here with that type of mindset. Is that God, when does God have time to speak to you? And you see Mary... Mary, and see, and Mary was going over there, you know... She was prepared to go, and, and she had, they had spices. They were going to, you know, it was customary after they were in the tomb to go and put these spices for the body. So she went with intent. She went with compassion, with love. But the moment when she's buying the spices, is, is at any time are we thinking here, am I, should I be buying these spices or should I just be knowing that Jesus is going to res resurrect? This is part of the struggle that we have at times when we don't allow the word to come in us, when we don't reflect on the word in us. We just, we're surprised by stuff. We're like, well, how did this happen? And you see, the word of God, the word of God speaks to us. The word of God, you know, it reveals to us stuff to come, stuff that's going to happen. In your lives, God will tell you something. You feel it. The Holy Spirit guides you in it. And then all of a sudden it happens and you're like, how did this happen? What's going on here? Maybe I should do these things. Maybe I should go back to church and start going to church again. That seemed to work at times. But it won't work again if you're not receiving the full forgiveness. Church just becomes a place that we just use for opportunities to, oh, I need prayer in this. Hey, I want to ask for prayer on this. Yeah, you know, I'm not so committed in things, but I want to ask for these things. And this is the state of the church today. But it seemed like it was the state of the church then also. when you come here and you love much and you hold on to something and you see God is so gracious could you imagine I mean you know of course God's reading stuff and he's like did she just think I'm the gardener <laughs> you know because it says Mary thought but I knew that now everything was completing itself. And now was the time for the work. 
And you see, brothers and sisters, God knows that things are completing themselves in our lives, and he knows now it's time for work. We've been dormant. We've been stagnant. We've been standstill. But now it's time for the work. Now it's time for our hearts to get inspired, to get motivated, for, for, for the needs to be seen, for, for the Holy Spirit to guide us into moments. Because do you love much? Because when you love much, you can't contain this, and you'll just go into the doors of someone's house. And to me, the best example we have here in this is Mary found herself crying and asked twice, why are you crying? Why are you crying? I'm crying because Jesus just died. I'm an emotional wreck, and then I'm here in the tomb, and it's empty. But why are you crying when you knew this? Why are you crying when this was said? You knew me. I knew you. We talked. All the disciples. You shouldn't be crying. You should be excited. Now go tell everyone. Make sure you tell Peter first. You see, we've all had the moments like the disciples where we've let God down and we're not there when we should have been there. And God wants us to recognize those moments, but he doesn't want us to dwell and stay on those moments. Now, it's interesting when you keep on, because this is a really, it's, again, you read it, and it's interesting. Peter and another disciple, they, start, they don't say what the disciple is, they start running, right? And Peter must have been a slow guy because it even says it in the Bible. <clears throat> I'm not just saying that. It says this other disciple beats him and comes to the entryway of the tomb and sees all the clothing folded up. Right? Peter finally catches up, right? And then it says Peter walks into the tomb. And when he walks into the tomb is where he has this experience. You see, brothers and sisters, a lot of us, we're, 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 we're at the doorway you know, if this woman would have got to this Pharisee's house and she would have said, mm, I'll just wait till he comes out. Mm, I don't know if I really can deal with this. This guy's a pretty bad guy. He's pretty vocal. But like Peter, he just walks in. Because where Jesus is at, Wherever Jesus is at, his children have a right to come in. And I tell you, brothers and sisters, where the change happens, where the transformation happens in the church, is when we start to recognize the love we have for him. Is it much or is it little? How do you do that? You know, the much and little, right? That's another message, right? That's another message we got to kind of, we got to probably bring about what is much and little, right? What's that much and little? Because much is like, you know, <sighs> give it all, right? And the little is like, ah, you know, I don't know if I'm going to go. I don't know if I'm going to do this. I, yeah, things coming, all right? Much and little, right? <clears throat> but at this state right here that this woman was at, at the state that Peter was at. Could you imagine? Could you imagine getting this and like Peter's like, we'll say, what? Ooh, you're crazy. No, come on, the tomb's empty. Could it have been all the stuff that Jesus was saying was true? I, didn't, I don't know if I read in the Bible again where Peter ran. I'd be like hearing Brother Gabe ran. We just don't do those things anymore, you know? you do them when you are running to something that's great 
And when you're carrying stuff, we don't know what Peter was carrying in regretment, being regretful. But I ask you, brothers and sisters, what state are we in? Are we in a state of doubt right now where our tears aren't allowing us to see who God is? Our tears aren't allowing us to understand who God is? Or do we understand who God is? And that he is our everything. Why don't we all stand up, brothers and sisters? Ask the group to pass on up.